Oh, girl. Tonight we're gonna watch fights. You know how I know? Because it's Saturday. And Saturday night is the night that we usually watch fights. Thursday night is my night to cook. Friday night we go and visit your mother, but Saturday we watch sweet weekly fights. It's when everything is just right. Conditions are perfect. There's nothing good on TV. Conditions are perfect. You lean in and whisper something sexy in my ear like, I might go to bed now, I've got brunch in the morning. I know what you're trying to say, girl. <laughs> you're trying to say, oh yeah, it's business time. It's business time. It's business, it's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's business time. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Now we're in the living room. Watching the walkouts. That's all part of the foreplay. I love foreplay. Shake a shake a shake a shake a shake a shake a wow wow. And the referee does his cup check on Dan Hooker, and that isn't part of the foreplay process, but it is still very, very important. The next thing you know, Felder's making his walk out with Bruce Springsteen hitting the speakers. You know the one, baby. Born in the USA. He removes his fight kit very, very clumsily, tripping sensuously over his pants. And now he's naked except for just his shorts. And you know when he's down to just his shorts, what time it is. It's business. It's business time. You know when he's down to his shorts, it's time for business. That's why they're called business shorts. Ooh. It's business, it's business time, oh yeah. Throwing hands, throwing hands for, throwing hands for two, throwing hands for two judges. Once with Dan, you only need two judges because it's his hometown. And you whisper something sexy like, is that it? I know what you're trying to say, girl. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, that's it. Then you tell me you want some more. Well, uh, I'm not surprised, but I am quite sleepy. It's business. It's business time. Business hours are over, baby. It's business. It's business time. Oh, yeah. Now. What is up, everybody? Ladies and gentlemen, guys and gals, juice heads around the world, dare I say. Welcome. 
to the Fighting With Myself podcast, the podcast for the above-average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. My name is Juice. And this podcast is different now because I got a new logo from my man, Dave Fretz. It's different now. It's different now. So just know that when you listen to this, you listen to a show with a fucking kick-ass logo, and I love it. Shout out to Dave Fretz at Solo Shoes. Uh, amazing guy. Amazing artist. I love it. Just a quick rundown of uh, what we got on tap for today. We're going to cover UFC Auckland. I'm even going to go over the prelims, which is something I rarely do because they were just so good, this this fight card. And then, of course, we're going to touch on the main card. And as always, end that segment with a positive shout-out to someone in the community. Got some a few news tidbits I want to touch on before we get to the forum. Everyone's favorite part of the show. You know it. I know it. And uh, then we're going to talk about UFC Norfolk. There's some sleeper fights on this card. There's also some not-so-sleeper fights on that card. What does that mean? I don't know. You figure it out. You figure it out, dude. Shit. All right. Now let's talk about the way this fight card started off. On the right foot, dude. The first fight of the night was Priscilla Cachuera taking on Shanna Dobson, a.k.a. G's Lookalike, R.I.P.G., and man, she came out like a bat out of fucking hell. Priscilla did, that is. And you know, she's been sort of a lamb to the slaughter in uh, her last uh, few UFC outings. But really, she fought Valentina Shevchenko, who's the current champion. And then she fought Molly McCann, who's the future champion. Don't at me on that. Not fielding questions on that at the moment. Um, and to be honest... Uh, Shayna is not like a world beater, but she does have good hands. And, uh, I thought she was going to fucking do work against Priscilla. Boy, was I wrong. And when I say I thought that, I thought that right up until the stare downs at weigh-ins. And let me tell you why. Every time Priscilla has been in the UFC this far, she has looked like a goddamn crackhead. And I say that with the utmost respect, uh, but she has looked like a goddamn crackhead. And, um, I probably shouldn't say that because she is in recovery from addiction. And, uh, so that's not cool for me to say that, but, uh, it's a joke. So there's that. But also she did. She looked like a crackhead. Um, but this time she looked fucking calm, composed, zoned in, not like a crackhead. She fucking had, uh, usually she has like some bleach blonde hair. She did not have any of that this time around. She was fucking look like a killer. And I was like, oh my God, we're in for a war. But I guess I was still wrong because it wasn't a war. It was a fucking quick ass KO. A record breaking KO, that is. Uh, fastest in the, in the UFC women's flyweight division. I guess it's a short history. As they pointed out. 40 seconds. 40 seconds. That's the quickest paycheck I ever made. Um, shout out to Felony. Uh, but uh, Priscilla, man, looked so happy, and rightly so. I mean, she she got a nice win here. Uh, moving on, next up was Angela Hill taking on Loma Luke Boomi. Damn, this was a good fight. And I fucking love me some Angela Hill, dude. I said it in previous episodes. I said it online. I've always... Uh, I've always had it with Angie. I think she's fucking a great fighter. And she comes she comes to fight, dude. Uh, 
And uh, I just I just love this fight. This was like so, somewhat of a Muay Thai uh, bout, but um, Angela Hill brought the MMA aspect, which made the difference. She was uh, she was on some nice elbows in the clinch off the break. She was fucking. She had some nice takedowns, and even that one that one uh, trip takedown that Loma got. She fucking Angela went to high guard right away, switched into a triangle, and I was like, oh shit! I thought she was about to finish it. It looked so close. Um, until she got on the wrong side, I was like, what are you doing? But, um, that said, Loma, uh, got out of it and I was really impressed with her. Uh, great, great fight for both ladies. And you know what sucks is I think if, if the UFC added an atom weight division, Loma could be champion of that division. Uh, she doesn't, doesn't look particularly undersized for straw weight, but she said that she had to bulk up. They're seeing it on the broadcast. Um, and, uh, I think so. But um, great stuff from both ladies, especially Angela Hill. And shortness Ange is like a force to be reckoned with. I was about to say, let's get her a, a, a fight with a full camp, but I think shortness Ange is the fucking ticket. I think she just needs to stay ready. She needs to be fucking peeping the fucking Instagrams of, and Twitters of people who are like pulling out with injuries and being like, I'll fight you. I'll fucking, you know, for the opponent. And, uh, um, yeah. Overkill Hill. The best. That's it. And, uh, and then we had uh, Kai Kara France uh, taking on Tyson Nam. And I got to say, originally, and I wanted Kai Kara France to win. I did. Um, but originally, I thought Tyson Nam won. And uh, apparently, I'm a fucking clown because I think it was like 30-27 on all cards for Kai Kara France. Um, but great, great fucking fight. And he looks super emotional, which was awesome, man. You love to see it. Uh, this New Zealand crowd was amazing, dude. It was amazing. Shout out to the fucking Kiwis. You guys are the best. Because, wow, that was a great, great crowd. And after that, we had Song Kanan taking on Callan Potter. And I got to say, I wanted Potter to win. Because, A, I'm a Potterhead. And, B, uh, he apparently is like a former rock star that, um, like, lost his voice something. Um so anyone that's like a musician or whatever, I always kind of root for them. Uh, but then the, in the fucking, I don't know if you guys caught this, in the fucking warm-ups in the locker room that they showed, like right after the Kaikara France interview, and they cut away, like, up next, we have Song Kanan versus Callum Potter, and they show the locker room. Song Kanan was doing this weird-ass, twisty thing on the ground, and I was like, oh my god, what are you doing? He was like, it was like showing his asshole to the camera, and I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, stop that. But apparently it worked. Apparently he knows some shit we don't know because he fucking starched Callum Potter. Uh, all disrespect aside, he, he fucking knocked him the fuck out in two minutes, 20 seconds. Uh, wow, that was an amazing fight. Um, or amazing knockout. I mean, you can't really say it's an amazing fight when it's quick like that. But it was it was a hell of a hell of a knockout, and uh, it made me realize, like, dude, in the in the in the post fight review like they really need to get like some technology where they're doing like a live google translate or something uh or somewhere where they can match the energy because when they have these translators and it's such a hard job translating and i feel like such an american to be like oh learn english and it's not that i'm like want that i definitely want their you know um original stuff to be preserved but when a fucking when a translator has such a hard job and the fighters like don't give them enough time and they don't match the intensity like unless you're Zhang Wei Li's translator or unless you're um Ray the guy that translated for um 
Yoel Romero. They don't match the intensity and the fucking energy. Like, it's, it's just really might as well be subtitles, you know? It might as well be subtitles. So, uh, great stuff, though, from Sun Kanan. You know who else was, was great stuff? Jake Matthews and Emil Mech. These boys came to fight. I loved every second of this fight. And you know what? Uh, I said last week I was picking a meal, and it wasn't um, you know any disrespect meant to Jake. I love Jake, um, but uh, he fucking uh, did work against Emil Mac, and it's just because it's just because I love Emil. Like I love his fucking Viking personality. Uh, I love when he knocked um, Paul Harris the fuck out, and uh, he's just been um, someone that I always want to watch in the UFC. And Jake Matthews did what he had to do. He did the right game plan, which is to take him down. Uh, but he didn't. Uh, he didn't do it in like a lay and pray kind of style. He made it exciting. He he got the entries from the stand up, which was nice. You love to see it. Um, was smashing him on the ground. Even had all like I think he almost got a rear naked choke at one point. Uh, but uh, Emil defended it. So credit to him. He's been working on his his grappling. Uh, definitely has been working on takedown defense or standing up, but definitely has been working on his jujitsu. Uh, great stuff. And I love dude. I love the fucking post fight interview. Like this is what I like to see when they were like they did it stepbrother style. I was like, we're going to interview as a team. Like they did it together, dude. And Emil was like, Oh, shout out to everyone in the crowd. Uh, uh, we came to fight for you guys or something like that. Dude, it was great. I loved, I loved it. And, uh, next up we had Jalen Turner fighting Joshua Kulibau. And I just, I just have to say, we've been waiting for a Jalen Turner, like come out party for a long time. It feels like. And, um, you know, Jalen Turner has uh, not performed in the UFC so far, in my opinion. And uh, everyone on, online was like, wow, Jalen Turner's scary as fuck, like, after this performance. And I was like, is he, though? Bringing it back. Is he, though? I mean, let me just say this. And I was I was excited for his debut. Like, I was, when I, we were first introduced to Jalen, or at least... Um, at least uh, when I was first introduced to him, I think it was on the embedded for um, I want to say it was UFC 226 or whatever whatever the fight was that uh, Pettis fought Kiesa, um, and Kiesa had like broken his foot and gave like a terrible performance. Um, they were backstage, and uh, Jalen Turner was there with Anthony Pettis, and apparently they trained together in the past. And this is uh, Jalen, Jalen Turner was making his debut at 170, and this is before Pettis went up to 170. He was still at 55, and he was like, "Can you still make 55?" And Jalen was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Stay your ass at 170," <laughs> which made me think like he's fucking scared of this guy. Like not scared, literally, but like you know, intimidated by him. Respects his skills, and I was like, "Bro, this guy's gonna be uh, amazing." And then he didn't deliver, and I just been I've just been waiting, and I'm just like. In my opinion, like he should have finished Joshua Kulibau faster. I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm I have so uh, unrealistic expectations for him. Maybe Joshua is tougher than uh, giving him credit for. Uh, I don't know, but um, I want him to do well because he he looks like he can be an exciting prospect. How about Jalen Turner, dude? How about Jalen Turner versus Lando Venata next? Wow, what a fight! Just thought about that. Holy shit, that's an amazing fight. Let's do that. And that's it for the prelims. Uh, I may have missed some, but uh, those are the ones that I, I really was excited about and they wanted to talk about. Um, and and the main card, dude, like, this was a great main card. But it was not without controversy. Um, 
So starting the night, we had Brad Riddell uh, versus Magomed Mustafaev in a dirty split decision. Shout out to uh, Lat B. They always say dirty split when it's a split decision. But dude, I was, you know, at first, and, and I wanted Brad to win, so it's not like I'm I'm, I'm siding with whatever, but um, kind of similar to the uh, Kaikara France fight. Not, well, not, I won't say similar, no, but... I, Early on, he was getting wrestle fucked, and I was like, "Oh no, dude!" I was so sad for Brad. I was like, "Dude, this is his fucking hometown," and the crowd was getting fired up, dude. They were getting so fired up. I was like, "Yeah, that's giving him energy," and it did. And uh, he said in the um, post show with um, Fitzy and Sugar Rashad, he was like, "You know, I noticed that in his previous fights, he he gets tired out after grappling exchanges, so I just let him take me down and just got back up to kind of." Let him get that, you know, get get the energy out. And I was like, dude, that's a good strategy. And uh, I started to think, like, maybe he's actually... Because he was piecing him up on the feet. I started to think, like, maybe actually Brad is winning these rounds. I think I was just, like... I originally gave too much credit to the takedowns. I was like, oh, no! Because I, I just wanted Brad to win so badly. Um, and I'm so happy he got the nod. Um, like I said, split decision. Um, was kind of worried there for a second, but... Kudos to Brad, but my God, dude, we got to talk about this fucking call out. And you know, I love a good call out. Um, there are certain fighters that have made a call out where just, like that makes me a fan of them. And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, even if they didn't have a great performance, if they made a good call out, I'll be like, fuck yeah. Uh, but he calls out Alex the Mauler and it says, let's go Alex Hernandez, bro. Alex the Mauler is Gustafson, dude. He's a 205er. He's literally twice your size. I mean, what? I mean, what? Okay. Okay. That aside, Brad Riddell versus Alex Hernandez is a great fight. And I would love to see it. But I hope he corrects him online. That just that just leaves the fucking door open for Alex Hernandez because he's uh, somewhat witty to be like, apparently this guy called out Alexander Gustafson. Moving on. Like... Crazy. Absolutely crazy. <laughs> the memes, dude. I gotta make new memes now that my fucking hair is short again. <laughs> I'm so sad. Um, but uh, Moving on, the next fight on the card was Marcus Rogerio de Lima. Man, uh, R.I.P. Ben Sassoli. This is, this is such a uh, an amazing knockout, and I feel bad because a lot of the Australians are mad at me for dissing his mullet, dude. But I thought it was terrible. I thought it was a terrible mullet. And not all mullets are terrible. Transracial Angel, good mullet. Michael Chiesa, good mullet. Fucking, I want to say, if has Nick Lentz ever had a mullet? No. Um, the fucking guy that fought Daniel Spitz, Travis something, terrible mullet. Terrible mullet. Um, so you gotta you gotta get the right mullet. Uh, but that that aside, um, I, uh, I I knew from the way that Ben fought against Greg Hardy that that wouldn't work against Marcus Rogerio, Marcos Rogerio de Lima Pejao as he's called. Uh, I knew from uh, from watching this guy in the Ultimate Fighter, he's a fucking beast. I mean, I'm sounding like a fucking huge stan of his. I mean, he definitely got submitted by Stefan Struve. I mean, what the fuck? Uh, but, you know, somewhere Thomas um, Zakajewski is listening to me like, Stefan Struve is amazing. That's his favorite fighter. Um, but 
a great win nonetheless. And uh, some people were calling it an early stoppage. Some people were calling it a late stoppage. I think it was actually right on time. Uh, I thought it was a good stoppage there. Uh, fight that could have been stopped. Well, I don't know about that necessarily. Uh, well, yeah, by the doctor. Fucking Jan Shonan versus Karolina Kovalkiewicz. And let me just say, dude. I don't want to watch Carolina fight in the UFC anymore. I really don't. And um, there's a lot of people that are like huge fans of her and they think she's really hot. And they're like, oh, my baby and all these things. And I'm like, okay. But I, I've always liked her her fighting style and I like her fucking gangster ass lean on the cage. She did it before, Jorge. Um, so, so dope. And uh, she gave Joanna hell in their fight. She put Yoan on her ass at one point and even gave her like a swell swell over her eye. Um, definitely did not like the fucking, on, in the post-fight interview at the press conference, she was like, rematch in Poland. I was like, bitch, you lost a title fight and uh, you lost one round to four. Don't call for a rematch in your home country, even if it's also the home country of the champion. Get fuck out of here. Um, but Carolina... Was getting pieced the hell up in this fight, dude. She really was. This was like a female version of Mike Davis versus Thomas Gifford. And the doctor at one point came in with a flashlight. When are they going to realize that a fighter is always going to say they can continue? Not always. <laughs> Shout out to Diego Sanchez. But, um, dude, this is like she. I seriously think like as soon as as soon as the fucking doctor was like okay they're fine or whatever let's restart the fight because she said she was okay she covers her eye dude like right away I was like are we gonna get some permanent damage here is this gonna be a Michael Bisping situation like I'm seriously worried for Carolina it's it, it's really bad at this point and uh, like take not nothing away from Jan Shonan she's amazing but that was hard to watch. So I'll I'll just uh, I'll just move past it and uh, and we'll just get to the co-main. Jimmy Crute, man, did fucking work against Michal Oleksiychuk. Got that Kimura a minute, or sorry, three minutes twenty nine seconds in the first round, bro. I was fucking honey dicked by Jan being like Polish power. <laughs> well, that's not true because I've always kind of liked uh, Oleksiychuk. Well, okay, not always. This guy, for some reason, I've been like on a roller coaster with him. When he debuted in the UFC, he fought, um, he fought um, Khalil Roundtree, and he just wrestle fucked him so hard, and it made me so sad. And then right afterward, he popped for fucking steroids, and I I kept calling him the Polish juice head for like a, like a year. I was like, fuck, get get out of here, Polish juice head. And then he came back. I want to say it was either John Volante or some Russian guy. And he beat the fuck out of him. And I was just like, yeah, dude. <laughs> like, all, all of a sudden, I was right fucking back. I was like, yeah. And then uh, and now I'm like, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. I should have known because he was he's kind of small for 205 and Jimmy Crute's kind of big for 205. But, hey, Jimmy Crute, bring back the name The Brute. For me, please, and I don't know if it's because if, if he did and I missed it because I kind of missed the um, the introductions for this fight. But my God, that's a great fucking nickname. It rhymes with your last name. It, you are not you are, but you fight like a brute. Uh, it's great. I don't know. I don't know why you dropped it. I, I don't know why, but um, definitely, definitely love that fight. Um, 
Uh, I do hate when guys, uh, you see a lot with like undefeated guys where they um, lose and then come back in, in, in good fashion and then they sort of call out the guy they just lost to. I'm like, bro, stop. You need to get a few more wins. They're not going to book that immediate rematch. Um, no, but uh, all, all, all love to Jimmy Crute. And now we get to the main event. And I have to say, I did pick Paul Felder, but I in no way was discounting Dan Hooker. I just thought, you know, uh, Paul, I can't, I think I was kind of doing a little bit of MMA math in terms of their uh, Barboza fight. You know, Barboza fucking beat the shit out of Dan Hooker, and Paul Felder made Barboza shoot for a takedown. I don't care if some of you guys scored that for Barboza. I scored it for Felder. Um, either way, he got the win, and he didn't get finished. But, bro... I thought Paul Felder won this fight. And I've said on this podcast many times that I, I I don't think you can call a close fight a robbery. I just don't. Um, especially when there's debate about which rounds. You know, uh, I personally scored the fight 2-4-5 for Felder. I thought Dan Hooker came out strong in round one, clearly won that round. And I thought Paul Felder clearly won round two. Um, three was close, gave it to Hooker. Four was definitely Paul Felder, and I was like, it's even going into the fifth. And I thought Paul just fucking came out, guns a-blazing. Dan Hooker did more grappling in that in that fight, but he didn't do much with the takedowns. And so I think, you know, personally gave it to Paul, but I, I was kind of expecting the judges to give that one to Dan. And you, you hate to see it, and I don't want to call it hometown cooking, especially because it was a split decision. Now, if it was a unanimous, I would have been kind of fucking pissed. Um, but, but let me say this. I hate when people like predict a split decision or they or they say well it makes sense it was a split decision no dude we we should not be wanting a split decision in 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 fights that that's not what you want you want everyone to be on the same page you want the criteria to matter and it just makes me think like i really want them to go back to fucking pride scoring or and this is going to sound crazy but hear me out some sort of mathematics system where it takes fucking like bias out of it octagon control doesn't matter aggression doesn't matter and i know the stats don't always tell the story of a fight um sometimes certain strikes do more damage but almost makes me me think they should have like fucking chips in their gloves which they have experimented with i'm pretty sure they did that uh with the poria gaichi fight they may even still do it and they just aren't talking about it but they have they have the technology exists to have strike counters um to see who's landing the strikes um, and and just have, like, I don't know, robots score the fight. Not literally, like, I, I know that could, that could be bad, but, like, just develop a fucking, like, point system where you give a certain amount of points to a jab, certain amount of points to a hook, certain amount of points to a cross, things like that, uppercuts do a certain amount of, of, of damage, fucking takedowns, submission attempts, submission escapes. Like, I think we need to figure out a better system, dude. It's just, it's not working. Um, but, but that said it was, it was razor thin and, uh, um, I I just, I don't know, but I I love the way both men handled the post-fight interview. Let's talk about that for a second. And, you know, I have been acting since I was eight years old. Um, so, and, and theater is a big part of my life. So, so when you have a guy in Paul Felder who came from that background, uh, has a degree in acting like me. Uh, I just always, I always root for him. I always root for the guy. And he fights like a fucking savage, dude. Uh, and I just, you know, and dude, Duke Rufus in the corner, uh, 
because because one of the things I love about Paul Felder is he always fights he fights for his daughter Ashling. He has he has her name on his mouth guard, and um, Duke Rivers in the corner kept being like, "Let's get this one for Ashling. Land the jab. Follow up with the two three. He's not checking the leg kick. You know, like by the way, that's the best Duke Rivers impersonation you're gonna ever hear. Um, but Dan Hooker was was so like uh, emotional in the post fight uh, interview initially uh, that. Uh, he just sort of said something in, I want to say Maori. I'm going to get that wrong. I know it's like, I don't know what the language is, so I, I don't want to attempt to think, but, you know, some sort of local local uh, language. And uh, it was badass. And he was like, I'm, I'm going to defend this homeland and things like that. But was like so exhausted and emotional that fucking, that Dan Hardy just like won't write to Paul Felder. He's like, okay, let me give you some time. And he went to Paul Felder. And Paul Felder was like, this could be it, man. I've got a four-year-old daughter who misses me every time I go away. And man, I just, it, I was gutted for him. It was just so sad. And then in my eyes, Dan Hooker redeemed himself by, you know, when Paul Felder started to take his gloves off. And normally when they, when they retire, they lay their gloves in the octagon. Dan Hooker wasn't having any of that, dude. He grabbed his, his free hand. He raised it up and he got the crowd to cheer for him. I love that. That's why we love this sport, dude. We have two two competitors, two martial artists locked in a cage for 25 minutes, beating the ever-loving shit out of each other, just giving each other hell, trying to take their head off uh, for, for five rounds. And then, and then they, they fucking earn each other's respect. And uh, the love uh, from these guys was awesome. I don't know if you saw the, the picture uh, where they were in the ambulance, could have been the ambulance, not sure. Um, but they were both on stretchers. And they were next to each other. And just... Uh, if that doesn't tell the story of the fight, I don't know what does. These men gave gave their all in this fight. They gave absolutely everything they had. And I thought Paul Felder had just just barely more. So uh really sucks that he, he didn't get the nod. It was, a, it was another dirty split. Uh, one judge did give it to Paul. I, I'd be interested to see those scorecards to see which rounds were scored. And, and what, what... I don't know. I wish they had comments. That's that's all I want from the judges right now. I wish they would just add that. It's so simple for them to add comments uh, to their scorecard to be like round one gave it to Paul for more aggression. Round two, you know things like that. I don't know. I don't know. But I won't dwell on it too much because there's a lot of questions about it in the forum, and uh, you know it's going to make me sad. So I'm going to end the segment on a positive note. As I always do, uh, by giving a shout out to someone in the community, and that is at Jake Irish MMA. Uh, this young man has been very supportive of my show, um, and uh, you know he needs a uh, he needs some love right now. So let's let's shower him with love. Um, love this guy. Uh, his his takes are funny. He's, um, some of you may not know uh, is a what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Up and coming MMA journalist writer. Um, aspiring journalist. Uh, he writes for a few different outlets and uh, good stuff. So um, also does the um, GMMAP, Generic MMA Podcast with Hayden, who you'll, you'll hear from both of them actually later on in the forum. So uh, shout out to Jake. Uh, he's the man and uh, appreciate you uh, always supporting me. And I'm really glad that you, uh, you know, want to, you know, be true, true to yourself and, and true, true, true to, you know, saying how you feel and things like that, um, with regards to, um, well, you kind of say it in the, uh, in the, in the forum. So I'll just let you say it in your own words. Uh, but, uh, love you, Jake. And with that, that ends this segment. So let us now hear a word from 
myself uh, so that he can get paid and then we'll, we'll move on. Oh, we got some spicy news for you today. Um, thank you for putting up with that ad so I can make my money. And uh, now let's talk about the news, babies. First bit of news I want to talk about is they have booked Valentina Shevchenko's next title fight. Title defense, rather. Um, and that is uh, Joanne Calderwood finally getting her shot. Uh this uh, June 6th, UFC 251. And first I was confused. Like So right after um, UFC 247, um, they came out with a list of suspensions. And fucking Valentina got a suspension until August. And I was like, bro, what? Uh, and, I, and I know that certain commissions like don't have to honor certain suspensions. Uh, you know, we saw that with fucking Michael Bisping and uh, the Gaslam fight after he got submitted by GSP and got a suspension. And China was like, I don't give a fuck. So uh, there's that, but uh, I just thought that, you know, she was going to be out for a while. So I love to see it, but I would love to know the story behind that suspension. First of all, why the fuck? Because she basically didn't, I mean, she may have broke her foot on some kicks or something like that, but, um, sorry, fucking asshole revving his engine outside my window. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought, you know, oh, she, she may have broken her foot on some kicks. That's the only suspension I could fucking see. Because she literally didn't really take any damage in that fight. Uh, but uh, maybe maybe she did and she just thinks she'll be okay by June and they're not honoring the suspension. I don't know. But either way, I think it's going to be a fun fight. I think JoJo, you know, I'm not going to predict that she'll win. But I think she's going to give a hell of a fight. I think it goes the distance. Um and it's interesting to see, you know, Valentina's Muay Thai background and, and JoJo's uh, Muay Thai background. Fucking A. Let's see it, you know. At this point, you know, with a, with a champion like, like Valentina, just because we don't think anyone's going to beat her, that doesn't mean we have to, to not book her in fights. Like, just let's keep it moving, you know what I mean? Like, these, let's just have these contenders keep, keep going up, you know. Um, and I love that Valentina's active. She's one of the best champions for that reason. Okay, this next piece of news is a little bit baffling to me, but I, I find it very interesting and, and very uh, entertaining. I might actually watch this show. Um, Shatri Sityatong is going to host The Apprentice. Ha! What? Um, I fucking... I can't believe it. It made me want to, like, apply. Like, I don't even know how you go about doing that. Because it's if it's about... I, I think it's actually, like, literally just... Um, uh, another version of The Apprentice, and it's going to be about business in general. But if it's about like learning how to run a fucking major mixed martial arts promotion, which he does, and he's a fucking kick-ass promoter uh, and just a savvy businessman in general, I would love to learn from that man. Are you kidding me? Um, so fuck yeah, this is awesome. And I like what one is doing. I wish I could fucking... I know there's replays on the Bleacher Report app. I know that. I just hate not watching shit live. I hate that. And uh, shit always gets spoiled for me on Twitter anyway uh, from people that uh, don't like sleep uh, or live in a part of the world where they don't have to miss sleep to, to watch it. So um, I love uh, I love what Shatri's doing, and uh, I'm looking forward to this show. It's going to be awesome. And I remember when um, uh, they signed a deal with uh, TNT, they were talking about doing some, some reality shows. And I don't know if this is it because it seems like 
this is a, an extension of the original apprentice i don't know if it's up for grabs and he bought it that would be interesting but uh it, it seems like not related to mma so i don't know but certainly an mma news story because it's about chatri and uh, last little bit of news here is um one of our own has uh has made a um uh, some supplements, uh, some uh, pre-workout. It's um, shout out to um, Wendy Freeman. It's Freeman with two N's. Um, her name is listed as Johnny Bravo for some reason, which is interesting. Uh, but she's funny as fuck. Apparently, she also uh, had a fight last night and won by TKO. So awesome for her. Um, the the brand is I think Cuts and Bruises LLC. Shout out to her. And uh, you can get this product at FightMeSupplements.com. Uh, which is funny because her bio is like, uh, fight me, which is funny as fuck. So, uh, shout out to Wendy and, and shout out to fight me supplements. I would love to try it. Hook your boy up. And that's it for news. It was a light, was a light news week and, uh, we got to keep it moving because you guys don't like my five hour podcast for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe because you have shit to do, which is weird. Cause I don't just kidding. Love you guys. Let's move into the forum. It's question, it's question time. The forum is open, baby. <laughs> By the way, I didn't say at the top of the show, the significance of that intro song I used is that it's uh, from a band called Flight of the Concords, one of my favorite bands, and they're a New Zealand band. So I thought there's no other way for me to start the show than to use one of their songs, and I thought that was fitting, or at least it was easy to kind of Talk about whatever the fuck I wanted. <laughs> Which is how I usually pick my songs. But dude, um, I want to get better at uh, at saying this, uh, you know, mentioning what songs I'm using in case anyone has any questions. Because sometimes um, I know we, we all don't uh, listen to the same music. If you ever want to know what uh, what song I'm, I'm playing or song I used, uh, sang or whatever in the in the top of the show just hit me up because i might not always uh say it uh, i did do a thread about it i'm gonna try to update that thread um as uh as new songs get introduced but um let's start off the show with uh with a question from shane tara hey juice what's up mate um I was watching some SB Nation videos. If no one watches SB Nation on YouTube, it's actually pretty interesting. They have a little bit of uh, MMA stuff on there. And then that's obviously where the channel MMA Fighting is, where people like Luke Thomas and Ariel Hawani used to be. But um, the regular SB Nation channel is mostly about your traditional boring-ass team ball sports, like baseball, football, basketball, that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm watching a video about the origins of baseball. And it's just got me thinking like um or like even the origins like the nba it's just very interesting to me like how many organizations eventually got absorbed into like the mlb or the nba so i'm just really curious like do you think that there is going to be another situation like, like that arise in american mma where the ufc is eventually just going to buy out stakes in somebody or real competition one day uh great question and the answer is they already have um they bought the WEC and absorbed it. They bought Pride, and this is not in chronological order. Even though that was a Japanese organization, they still bought it and absorbed it. Um, 
They also bought Strike Force and absorbed it, which is how we got women's MMA because of Ronda Rousey. Um, they also they didn't buy out the promotion, but they bought out contracts um, from Invicta and uh, basically bought out their entire fucking strawweight division and moved to the UFC. And they, um, they uh, I think, gave them a fight pass deal because of that. So it kind of feels like it's a little bit part of the UFC. And I know organizations like LFA is kind of a feeder organization for the UFC. Um, so, yeah, it, it, they've done it before. And uh, they said originally that when they bought these places, the, these other promotions, I mean, that the goal was to run them separately and like sort of like run them as competition, but then they would be still benefiting from that. Like just sort of buy them and then like have it be a sort of competing promotion and they could do, you know, certain types of fights that they didn't want to have on the UFC and do it there. Kind of a tip. And then they just absorbed it. I'm like, why dude? Just like keep it there. You could have the fucking, like right now the UFC roster is like way too like deep and diluted. That so sometimes we get like filler fights and I'm like, dude, if you bought these other organizations, you could have those kind of fights in those other organizations. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, crazy, but um, I don't know. It's it's good because you you know fighters get to be part of the UFC that were originally in like a competing promotion, uh, but then it's also like uh, a monopoly. So I'm sort of like torn on the idea of it. But um, it's an interesting question. I mean, it definitely has happened. Um, you know, WEC and Strikeforce were both American promotions, uh, Invicta as well, even though it didn't entirely get bought out. But uh, they definitely have done that before. Juice. That's a going to be guy. All right, well, I'm watching uh, one championship. It's uh, 4 o'clock in the morning. Fucked up again. So I want to do this while I'm thinking of it. That dumb motherfucking judge got his black belt from the coach that James Krause fought. I'm getting this right, I hope. Are you fucking kidding me, man? Do you think the UFC knew about that? That's my question for you for your next podcast. Because that's some fucked up shit, man. I'll tell you that. It's always 420. Hey. Yes, dude, I forgot about this. Oh my god, fucking made me so fired up. Apparently, Joe Solis got his black belt in BJJ from, I want to say the guy's name is Trevor Winans, uh, Winans, however you pronounce it, was the coach that it was uh, Tre Trevin Giles' coach. So maybe I am getting that wrong because Trevin Giles, I don't know, also be named Trevin, Trevor, maybe it's Trevor. Maybe it's just when ends. I don't fucking know. Dude, major conflict of interest. Major. Especially, dude, especially when James Krause had back control on fucking Trevin Giles for like four minutes of that round and he gave it to Trevin Giles. You have your black belt and you did that shit? Unforgivable. The UFC needs to fucking give James Krause his win money from that. They need to fucking... Write to the commission and said that he should be fired immediately. I mean, this is just fucking corruption at the highest level. I, I, can't, I can't even begin to tell you how, how crazy it is. Which is so dumb. I don't know. It's just it fucking, it's like wild. People are just marking whatever the fuck they want on these judges' things.
Crazy. Shout out to uh, Aaron Bronstetter for exposing that motherfucker, by the way. Aaron Bronstetter quickly becoming one of my favorite MMA journalists. Hey, Juice, it's your buddy, Mixed Demand. See, I'm calling in because I saw Dana White introducing Donald Trump in Colorado. And are you fucking kidding me? The first thing, the reason we're supposed to vote for Donald Trump is because he's a really good friend to Dana fucking White. And guess what? If you vote for Trump, the first fucking thing he's going to ask you is about your family. Did you hear that? Well, the first thing Trump ever asked me is about my family. How's your family? Dana White's family? Fuck out of here. They're doing fine. They're fucking sledding in May in Las Vegas right now. Dana White's bottom of the totem pole mistress's dog is living better than anybody listening to the show right now. How's your family? Fuck out of here, man. His family is fucking fine. They're rich as shit. They're underpaying their employees as 1099 contractors. Shit, motherfucking life is good if you're Dana White. Who gives a fuck about his family, man? And you know what else? Fuck Dana White and fuck Donald Trump, too. Why do we always get dragged into this shit with this? I don't care if it was Bernie Sanders he was introducing, man. Just stick to fucking fighting. Like, every time Dana White's just got to drag us in the shit. Like, oh, you guys keep politics out of sports, by the way. Donald Trump's going to be a good president because he's a really nice friend to me. He's a really good guy. Well, that's really cool. Half the fucking people listening to this podcast are nice to me on Twitter, but I ain't endorsing any of you motherfuckers for president. Every time, Dana White's, ooh, keep politics out of sports. Also, here's Donald Trump. Yeah, you can't hit a woman. Also, Dan Hardy can fucking fight. Fuck out of here. 2020, Dana White is fucking canceled. And not because he supports Trump. Not because of his political ideas. Because he's a dumb motherfucker. That's why. Fuck Dana White. Fuck the UFC. Also, they're going to take about $70 of my money every month. So fuck me too. (laughs) <laughs> yes dude mixed the man so fired up about that it made me realize first of all uh, correction he said dan hardy when he talked about the woman beating but obviously meant greg hardy but the first time i listened to that i didn't even notice it i was just like yeah fucking a um brings up some very good points uh it, may, it made me realize that when people say keep politics out of sports or keep your political ideals out of things or or stick to sports what they're really saying is, um, you know, keep ones that are are not my own out of sports for a second. I mean, I, I wasn't saying about Mick because we'd say, you know, I don't care if it's Bernie Sanders or whomever, you know, just do it. But when Dana, I'm, just, I'm speaking in reference to when Dana was, you know, always says that and then turns around and does the opposite. Um, that could also be that he feels uh, beholden to him in a certain way. Um, Dana said that um, he feels Trump is, is a part of the UFC success because their first events were held at the, his uh, his casino in Vegas and things like that. And, and okay, I get that. That's fine. Um, but yeah, that uh, it just brings me to a um, a, a point of uh, of being um, of, of realization. Certain when certain celebrities endorse. Uh, certain politicians, whether that's fighters, actors, whomever, and they don't do it because of their policies, it pisses me off. And some people hate it, dude. I, I hear every fucking Oscar season, every year when the Oscars are, are playing, everyone is fucking complaining on Twitter. Here's these Hollywood liberal assholes preaching their bullshit. Bro, don't watch then. Don't watch. That's a 
topic for another day that we're not even going to touch on in this podcast. Uh, and I don't like to talk about politics on this uh, show too much, but uh, you guys know how I feel about it. And um, yeah, Dana White's endorsement means absolutely nothing to me. And yeah, of course he's asking about his family. That's what people do, dude. Your friends. How's your family? Yeah, everyone asks that. <laughs> I mean, what? Anyway, Justin makes the man. Shout out to the fucking Turbo team, as always. Yo, Juice, my main man from another land. Um, I'm just getting rid of Christmas dinner here. Yes, you heard it correct. Christmas dinner. Long story, I'll explain it on Instagram. But anyway, my question for you is, um, of all the tough contenders that have ever been, not just the winners, the contenders, who would you say stands out as being your favourite one, favourite participant? Also, of all the MMA Twitters, or, or just normal Twitter people you've interacted with um, over the past year or so, who would you like to have an evening with the most to get high and do some crazy shit? Anyway, that's all. Bye. Ah, yes, I love this question. First off, I think it's funny that you said it was a long story, and it probably was too long to get everything in on the the time limit for the anchor message. But it, from what I read on Instagram, it wasn't that long of a story. He was just like, "Yeah, everyone was busy, and we couldn't get family together until now." And I'm like, "Okay," <laughs> but uh, shout out to, to to Neil for having Christmas dinner. Better late than never. Um, and I love this question, but uh, my answers are obvious, and I'm sorry for that, but they are. My favorite fighter of all time is a tough alum, <laughs> Roxanne Monteveri. Um, she was in season, I think, 18 and then 26. Uh, it was uh, whatever the season was, uh, Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey were the coaches, and then uh, obviously Gaethje and Alvarez uh, for season 26. Um, honorable mentions, Angela Hill, obviously. Bryce Mitchell, obviously. Um, fucking Strange Brew from season one. If you haven't watched season one of Tough the fuck you doing what the fuck are you doing um just like random ass people on there make me laugh some great moments on tough dude i could do a whole fucking episode on tough even though it like ran its course toward the end there were some great moments on tough there really were and then who from mma tour would want to get high with the most first of all there's a lot um, definitely Genghis, and uh, that uh, invitation has been extended, and I am definitely going to take him up on that sometime. Um, but I'm busy a lot. And the other one, and this is like a dream scenario because I would never, this would never happen. But fucking Ali Ra and Smokey J, like, dude, the fucking three of us just hitting, like, fucking doing bong hits and fucking. Uh, talking about fights for like hours, dude. That would be incredible, dude. I'm like thinking about now getting like sad that it might never happen because flights to Australia are fucking expensive. Wow. Did Paul Felder really just retire? Was he being emotional? It's gotten me thinking, like, what are some of the more emotional retirements that we've seen in MMA that have tugged at our heartstrings? For you personally, not just, like, for MMA fans, it's a massive consensus. Like, for you personally, what tore your heart? For me, Mark Munoz tore me up. 
um, seeing Brad Pickett retire, seeing Michael Bisping, Misha Tate got me a little bit mad too. But yeah, what about you? What has torn at your heartstrings when it comes to fighters retiring? Let me know, bud. Oh, and Chael Sonnen, that got me too. Dude, shout out to Kairos. Love this guy. And uh, it's an interesting question because some of the ones you mentioned are some of the ones for me. Like the Chael Sonnen one got me because uh, Chael finally dropped the act. And, uh, you know, backstage he was his normal self. And it was so, like, refreshing but also really sad uh, because fucking Brett Akamoto asked him about his dad in um, the press conference. And I was like, fuck you, Brett Akamoto. Um, made him made chill son and cry uh, but that was really sad because when the ref stopped the fight when he fought Machida he says sorry I gave you every opportunity you know and he goes sorry what are you sorry for I stopped fighting four minutes ago and then backstage he just said you know I fired my last bullet I thought it was really sad really poignant and, uh, and then he got emotional because he promised his dad that he would get a world championship and uh, he, he, that was on his dad's uh, deathbed and uh, he never filled that promise. And it was fucking Brett Akamoto. Like, what do you think your dad would say? <laughs> or what would you say to your dad? I was like, Brett Akamoto, fuck you. I just scared my cat. I'm sorry. Go back to sleep. But really, I mean, dude, that one got me. The Brad Pickett one I've said on this show, I think. I definitely said it on my other show, Mixed Martial Opinions, probably episode 26. I'm 99% certain that's right. Um, the Brad Pickett fight is the most emotional I've ever been in a UFC fight. I was watching that fight in my car, and I know I shouldn't have because it's fucking dangerous, but I was in an electric car in LA, which is like the safest place to be if you're going to watch a fight in your car that's moving. Um, and um, I, like Brad was like fucking dominating Cheeto Rivera for like most of the fight. And then Cheeto Rivera comes in with his head kick and knocks Brad like stiff and I literally screamed like no in my car and I just start crying and Brad's fucking crying and he's like you're not fans you're friends it was super emotional dude oh my god I I, I still like to this day if I watch that fight I, I can't I can't not cry it, it's just the most touching retirement of all time especially the way he was in the walkout and they let him have his paper and like the UFC staff and Reebok were like the most like lenient they've ever been. This was in the Fox era, dude. Oh my god, it, it was it was so touching. And they fucking the package they put together for him and all the UFC employees signed his paper. <laughs> oh my god, you love to see it. And instead of laying his gloves in the octagon, he laid down his his trophy hat that he always walks out with. Man, if you haven't seen that that fight, you gotta go watch that fight. It's sad, but you gotta watch it. Another one made me sad. Um, was uh the Gustafson retirement uh, when he fought Lionheart recently, and um, quick little anecdote, um, the first time I listened to Split Podcast, Split Decision Podcast, I was in of Split Podcast because of the Twitter handle, but it's Split Decision Podcast with um with Phil and the Fight Geek, and uh, Phil is a big Lionheart fan, and uh, I am too, but I also am a Gustafson fan, and um. I said, I I submitted a question to their show and I said, what are your favorite Gustafson moments since his retirement? Um, and um, Phil was like, my favorite Gus moment is when he 
mercilessly tapped to Lionheart and gave him the win. How about that? Or whatever. And fucking went in on it. I was like, damn, this guy doesn't give a fuck. I need to be watching this show or listening. Damn it. I hate when I do that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's, that's how, uh, I started listening to that show. And, but the Gus one got me, even though he's kind of done that a few times and he gets emotional after a loss and being like, maybe I can't do, maybe I can't compete anymore. The Jimmy Mana one, one got me as well. Uh, he he did it on Instagram. Like after the Rakich fight, not right after, but like a week or two after or, or whatever. And he and he said those reasons, and I was like, "Yeah, dude, that fucking Rakich knockout was hard to watch, and uh, you did the right thing." But now he's talking about a comeback. I'm like, Jimmy, what are you doing, Jimmy? I don't know. So so there have been some hard ones. Um, the Bisping one was was for me as well, but but also, dude, I was expecting it, and he talked about it for a few months before that. And the way the the Gaslam fight was was so bad, so um, that one actually was was calming to me. I was at peace when Bisping retired because he did everything he did everything he needed to do. So yeah, let it. Juice. This is Dave Fretz. So I've got a question for you. But before we get to that, nice new logo, by the way. I really like it. The creator must be a fair dinker bloke, yeah? Which leads me to my question for you. The other day on Twitter, another fan of the show, Oli Ra, tweeted at Dave Fretch, you are such a fair dinker bloke, mate. And he told me if I didn't know what that meant to just ask Juice. He'll tell you. So late on me, mate. Cheers. Yes, dude. Because Ali Ross thought, uh, didn't submit a question last week, um, Dave Fretz was like, "I'm gonna have to fucking if you if you if you don't send one in this week, I'm gonna have to fucking call in as you and, and imitate you." And uh, Ali was like, "Do it anyway, mate." <laughs> and fucking, I, that better be a real bong rip uh, at the beginning. That was really the, it was really loud, and I, I was like, "Is he fucking faking a bong rip right now?" Um, but fucking hell, dude. Shout out to Dave Fretz. And thank you again for the logo, man. And I can't remember if I if I shouted you out at the beginning of the show uh, with regards to the logo because I had to fucking record the first segment twice because uh, I had some technical difficulties. So here it is again, or maybe for the first time. Uh, it's different now, I think that's what I said. Or maybe didn't say. But I said, the show is different now because of this logo. Um and actually, um, shameless plug, uh, if you want to know the fucking, the best explanation, and I, and I could do my best to explain it, you know, Fair Deacon Bloke is like, uh, like a general good guy, someone who's like, you know, not a, not a cunt, <laughs> not a fucking, uh, shitty person or whatever, and just like always fair, always cool, always nice. Um, but a better explanation was given by the man himself. I'm pretty sure it was on episode 27 of my podcast. The title of it is Izzy Hive Assemble. That is a fucking uh, credit to Tev Talks MMA for, for submitting the best voice message that's ever been sent to this fucking show ever. Um, and he's promised another one like it when Israel Adesanya fucking dismantles Yoel Romero. Um, but that was where... Um, 
uh, Ali Ra first started uh, sending in um, Aussie slang questions, and uh, he, he did like a little Aussie slang quiz, which inspired some great Welsh uh, quizzes from Harry Andrews. Shout out to Harry Andrews. Um, and uh, so you'll learn some more uh, Aussie words if you listen to that one. And I did a fucking, uh, if I don't say so myself, killer Josier inter- uh, I would say interview intro for that fucking episode. Um, so episode 27 of this podcast, you'll get the real answer, Dave. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Well, Juice, we had a great day and night of fights for sure. Um, my question for you is what's next for Angela Hill? The girl just unbelievable. Had a great year. Three in a row now for her, so what do you think's next for her? That's my question for you. Keep up the great work, bud. Love the podcast. And Dave, you did great work on all this new artwork for uh, Fighting With Myself podcast and the juice. It's always worth 20. Peace. Hell fucking yeah, Jim. Hell yeah. And yeah, what's next for Angela Hill? Man, the sky's the limit, dude. Not really, but um, I, I want to see her get some some more some more show notice fights, dude. You know it'd be a fucking sick fight, and they'll never book it. Um, but uh, Amanda Hibas, Hibas, got that uh, karaoke accent. Uh, I fucking I watched that. Not even not even uh, not even worth it, dude. Tried to have a fucking Rio de Janeiro reference, and I blew it. I blew it, dude. I fucking blew it. Um. But yeah, um, that would be a fucking kick-ass fight. I, I actually don't like her chances in that, so I'm, I'm so dumb of me to say that. I think Amanda Hibas would probably piece Angela up. Um, I know Buddy's listening to me like, yeah, motherfucker. But uh, no. Uh, dude, the, the fucking Paige Van Zandt fight, I still want to get because Angela Hill um, said some, like, sh- like I don't want to say shitty things, but she she definitely poked the bear when it came to like Paige Van Zandt, and uh, I want to see I want to see that play out because especially like a lot of Angela's haters are like she said some mean girl stuff against Paige like dude everyone did stop it, um, and she did in in a funny way she was like the funniest one it, like it, it reminded me of like um, when uh, when Mickey Gall got the Sage Northcutt fight and then um, uh, Kevin Lee came on Arrow's podcast when it was still the MMA hour, I think like later. And he finally got, cause it was his first time on the show and he was mad for like Ariel, not wanting to give him any shine. And he fucking went hard at Ariel. It was like the most fired up Kevin Lee has ever been. He was like, you fucking got Mickey gall on your show for calling Sage Northcutt corny. And they gave him that fight. I called his dad a drug dealer. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, dude. Yeah. So, um, fucking shout out to Kevin Lee, I guess. But, that sort of reminds me of that because she, I, I think she had the best uh, way of doing it. And, um, fucking hell. Uh, I want to see that fight. Angela Hill versus Pedro Anzant. Book it. Yo, it's your boy. Fuck, man. Can't even, can't even lie. I'm a little disappointed. Um, it's a great fight. Fowler Hooker. I want a Dyer's Dragon so bad. Thought the ginger beard was going to take it. Sucks. I just think he started a little bit too slow. You know, started a little bit too slow and then 
that last takedown at the end kind of sealed it for me. I kind of knew he was going to lose the decision then. Um, other than that, you know, there were some good fights. I really liked Kai Kara France's performance, man. He put on a show out there, did a real nice job. Um, performing for the hometown, that was huge. I think he's going to do some pretty big things. I always kind of thought that. Um, so I'll be interested to see who he fights next. And damn, I know it's boxing, but masterclass by Fury, no doubt. Hell yeah, I don't disagree with anything that gentleman said. Shout out to that typo in my photo, by the way. I think it's at Old Street Kicks. Um, awesome guy, dude. Love that guy. And uh, there wasn't really a question there for me to answer, but uh, some great commentary. And uh, I pretty much uh, said as much in my recap as well. So uh, fucking hell yeah. <laughs> Juice fighting with myself. It's Smokey J here from Australia. Uh, that was a really fucking cool Auckland card. I had a lot of fun watching that. Um, it fucking delivered like there was some bangers all the way through it. Uh, that fucking Jake Matthews fight was good, man. He showed good skills in there and um, fucking me, man. Callum Potter didn't do too good, but uh, we won't go there. Um, the main event, fucking Felder versus Hooker, that could have went either way, but Hooker got it. Um, first question is, do you really think that that is the end for Paul Felder? Do you think he's going to hang him up? And second question is, which fight are you going to go back and watch in slow motion in its entirety first, Josh Fabia style? Uh, that's all. Bye. <laughs> Great question. And, um, you know, regarding Paul Felder's retirement, I have to, I have to give a shout out to, um, Steffi Haynes at Crooklyn MMA. Um, she had, um, a perfect, her tweet perfectly summed up how I feel about it. Um, and, uh, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was something like, you know, I want to be selfish and say, please don't quit Paul. You, you have so much more to give. But then on the other hand, I also love when fighters, you know, get out well, before it's, too soon or sorry before it's too late um and uh, take enormous amount of damage he's got a fucking broadcasting career he could probably into an acting career he's got a certain fucking degree um so i kind of like you know on the i think it's just because like i thought he won that i want to like you know i want him to keep going like if he i mean obviously he did lose on the on on the on the cards and, and whatnot but if he had gotten either finished or dominated to where it wasn't uh you know a split decision wasn't a close fight i might have been like okay i get that that makes sense you know i don't want to i definitely don't want to see you taking damage like that but he's in the fucking one of the toughest weight classes in the sport and now he's gonna have to battle his way back to get a title shot it's already like you know now hooker is gonna be ahead of him in that okay especially if he if he fights gaichi and beats gaichi otherwise Gaethje's next, probably, which he's not, you know, they're, they're going to want to fucking insert Connor in there, you know. The only thing left for him, really, is a fucking fight with Dustin Poirier, maybe. But Dustin Poirier is fucking angling for the Connor fight, and Dustin Poirier doesn't know, uh, like, doesn't want to fucking take any other fights. Like, I don't know, at this point, like, if he does retire, I, I will just say thanks for the memories, um, and thanks for being one of my favorite fighters to watch, um, and uh, doing us theater majors proud. <laughs> Oh, and which fight am I going to watch in slow-mo, Joshua Fabia style? Um, 
probably the fucking main event, dude. I'm probably going to be like, you know, let's really figure out which strikes landed and whatnot. Um, but I also wouldn't mind the fucking Brad Riddell, um, Mustafaev fight again. Hey there, Juice. Smoky J here. <clears throat> and I fucking got another one for you. Uh, Alessio Dori recently become the first ever mixed martial artist to be granted a therapeutic use exemption for fucking medicinal marijuana, so I thought we'd talk about that for a minute. Um, fucking, he suffers from bilateral neuropathic pain, which is like severe nerve damage in his left wrist and his right elbow that he got from being a sick cunt skateboarder and fucking getting injured as a teenager. And he, like, fucking tried all the opioids and fucking suffered from the side effects of all them and then come across uh, medicinal marijuana. But when he was fighting in the UFC, obviously, fucking, that was a banned substance and he wasn't allowed to compete with that in his system. So he adopted this kicking heavy sort of unorthodox style um, to minimise the pain in his arm without throwing uh, so many punches, which is that that weird sort of kick in the style that we were seeing in his uh, later fights. But um, fucking, he was winning his fights in the UFC, man, uh, without all that. But, <clears throat> yeah, recently he's been granted the first ever fucking therapeutic use exemption. So he's now allowed to compete um, under specific levels with that sort of medicine in his system. Uh, that ruling was by the British Columbia Athletic Commission. And my question to you, Juice, is is that localised to Canada? Or can that be shared between other fucking um, commissional jurisdictions or anything like that? Uh, cheers. Bye. Great question. And yes, let's talk about this for a second because um, both this and the Joe Solis getting his black belt thing were in my notes, but uh, there were some, but, you know, two great questions about it. So I figured to just answer it in the forum. Um, so as not to do it twice. Um, fucking, this was great. This was great news that came out. Of, it's still his pin tweet. If you go to his Twitter at Elias Theodoru, um, and there's a press release in there and in the tweet that he, he put up there from paradigm management, his, um, his managing company. And, um, I tried to look at other articles, to find out about it. And a lot of them were just sort of repeating the key points of the press release. And I'm like, okay, um, you know, journalism. Okay. But, um, I, I went, I went in and, um, I, I read some of the comments Elias had responded to some of those on, on that tweet. Um, he said that it's essentially only effective in Canada. Um, the press release said it sets a precedent for other jurisdictions to follow, but, no, it's still it's still considered a Schedule One drug in the U.S., so the commissions do not allow it to the extent that they've kind of like you know opened up the threshold and and redefined what uh, out of competition versus in competition means in terms of that. But it's still uh, not something they allow, so he can't uh, he can't have that uh, get out of jail free card in the U.S., which which is unfortunate because I really wanted to see him work his way back to the big show. Um, I thought it was unfair that he cut uh, that he was cut, but. Um, Good on him for for doing that. That's fucking historic. That's awesome. It's good for uh, for potheads around the world. <laughs> hey, juice my question this week, man. I just want to say before, before I say any question, right? 
I fuck with the new logos and shit, man. The logos are sick. The new logo, um, there's two, right? They're both fucking good. The, the both logos are pretty good. I fuck with the new logos. I fuck with the new, like, branding. The rebranding of the, the podcast, right? My question is, though, what are your thoughts on the judging in the main event? Because I thought Felder won that. I thought Felder won 2-4-5. So, I don't know, it's just... I saw a judge score round five for Dan Hook. I don't know how you can do that. So yeah, what do you think of the judging in the main event? I appreciate you, brother. I'll see you in the next one. Lad, what are you playing in the background? <laughs> that uh, video game noise going on. Appreciate that. Shout out to Hayden. Um, yeah, dude, I, I talked about this at nauseum already, but uh, I, I just thought, and, and you know, I've, I say that you can't call a close fight a robbery, but this one felt like a robbery to me. I just did it. It felt like, you know, Felder should have got the nod, um, but it was extremely close. Um, but they just, they went to war. And it just, whether or not, like regardless of who you thought won and what gave the nod, I think these this last few fights have just given us reason to say we need a better judging system. We need a better scoring criteria. Yes, we need more competent judges in the first place, uh, you know, Mark Goddard went on a, a huge diatribe in his um, uh, on on Aero Hawani show. Uh, Andy Foster had some good points to say as well um, about the scoring criteria and that, you know, the criteria is in place. They just need to get more competent judges or more um, experienced judges. And I'm like, yeah, fine. But even still, you have people that are, you know, knowledgeable of the criteria and are passionate about the sport disagreeing on, on rounds that that to me, like a fight, it shouldn't be subjective. I don't know. It's nuts. It's absolutely, it's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right, Juice. It's me from over the sea. It's your boy, Joe Blog 74. I'd just like to congratulate the best boxer ever, Tyson Fury, on demolishing the bronze bum dosser Wilder. Um, was involved in a bit of a debate this week. Uh, someone said that Ngannou punches harder than Wilder. A lot of people said, no, probably not. So I said Fury and AJ punch harder than most boxers, probably punch harder than Ngannou. Um, just want to know what you think about it. Am I right or are these dossers right who think that Ngannou is a better puncher than the boxers? Um, love the airdo, by the way. And I'd just like to give a shout out to Man of my own, Fabian, for doing his first marathon. Go on, lad. Yes, shout out to Fabian for that, uh, for that, uh, for running that marathon. That's awesome. I saw on Twitter already. Posted a pic of him drinking some beer, and there's some definitely some meme potential in those. <laughs> um, you know, I think this is an important. I mean, not this is important, but it, it deserves um, uh, some pause when we answer it, right? Because it's 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 so easy to say like, oh, the boxers are the better punchers, and the MMA fighters are are you know at a disadvantage in that department so if we're talking about who hits harder um i don't think it's wild to say that nganu might hit harder now if especially because nganu grew up wanting to box grew up watching boxing and and sort of starting to train boxing before he got into mma um however I do think if it was a boxing fight, especially if he were, if he were going to go against Fury, um, Fury would fucking piece him up. Now, I don't know about Wilder, because Wilder isn't the best boxer. He just hits really fucking hard. Um, 
but uh fucking i think you'd have to measure that to, to say i don't think i i don't want to answer it because i don't want to say like inganu hits harder and me seem like an mma show but i also don't want to say like you know wilder hits harder and have it just be like you know just giving credit to the boxer just for being a boxer you know if we're talking about just raw power uh inganu deserves to be up there um because that fucking power is scary um so it is what it is mate it is what it is juice juicy juice 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 I have no clue what to say because I didn't think this through before I started, but I'm here now, so fuck it. Um, I haven't been on the forum for the last month or two, I would say. Um, but I'm back now, you know, had to go sort myself out a bit, had to come out on Twitter. Um, so my question is, in the next, uh, what is it, like six, f- uh, five or six weeks, we're getting... Uh, UFC events every weekend. Out of all those, what's your favorite non-title fight? Uh, personally, I'd have to go with Nganu versus Rosenstrike. There's probably a better one, but it's not coming to mind. Remember that uh, Benavidez versus Figueredo is a title fight, so... Um, yeah. Glad to be back. Yes. Shout out to Jake. And um, he mentioned in there... Um, he said he came out on Twitter, which I didn't actually see. I know him and I actually talked about it, but, um, I didn't actually see anything other than a funny gif, which I thought was telling, but, um, he titled this message, guess who's back? It's Jake. And now he's half gay, which is so funny to me. Um, kind of able to laugh at himself. I think that's great. Um, dude, I am so fucking pumped for like a lot of these fights that are coming up. I think we've got a great, um, season on tap. I'm just going to fucking list a bunch of them, dude. Fucking, I think what I'm probably the most excited for that's not a title fight is uh, Muslim Salikov versus Nico Price. Holy fuck. That fight makes me fucking... <laughs> that might fight, I was supposed to say it makes me hard. This reminds me, Aljamain Sterling tweeted that he want to fucking he wants to fight Jan, and I and I commented on I, re- I replied to him. I said I just got hard thinking about that fight. No cap. <laughs> and then Marilyn, shout out to Marilyn, uh, Dairy Free Nomad, I believe on Twitter, uh, said, "Oh yes, I just had an orgasm thinking about that fight." And motherfucking Aljo liked the tweet and started laughing, and she. <laughs> She started blushing. I thought it was so funny. Um, but yeah, dude. Fucking Muslim Salikov versus Nico Price. But also Lionheart versus Glover. Very excited about that. Rose versus Andraj 2. Very excited about that. Very excited to watch that fight live. Um, there's just a ton. And um, fuck yeah. Great question. And um, just going to refresh just in case a new message came in. Because sometimes it happens. Sometimes I'm recording. Sometimes you guys... Oh, yes. I had a nice one from Netraj. Yes, Netraj. Here we go. Hey, Jules. Netraj here. Back with a voice question. Uh, more like, you know, three important things that I got from this weekend. First, if you don't stand Angela Hill, you can wear your favorite jacket, get out of the house and take a hike. <laughs> Second... I I wish the fight was scored for Felder because I scored it for Felder and I feel bad that he's retiring on a loss. But 
whatever he does, he'll be great at it. Just wishing him the best of luck. And third man, what a fight between Wilder and Fury. I never rated Wilder as a better boxer than Fury, but I never expected Fury to come out that way and just obliterate him from bell to bell. And it is it's actually amazing that he lasted as long as he lasted. Shout out to his corner. Did a great job protecting the fighter. That's it, man. Have a great weekend. Yes, love that. And again, not uh, not any questions really there. Just sort of commentary on the on the fights this weekend, and I'm here for it. Uh, I'd love the fucking quote. If you don't stand on Jalil, put on your favorite jacket, get out of the house, and take a hike. Fucking brilliant. Love that. Love that for you, Natraj. Uh, great, great man. Fucking a. This is great. Um, and we got some uh, amazing questions from our man Oli Ra. trying to fucking stall it with the wrestling fucking he was feeling that power fuck I'm impressed you know his first fight was great second fight was amazing fucking bring on that Alexander Hernandez fight man I'm fucking down that'll be a fucking good fight and I think fucking Brad Riddell fucking smash his face in that little prick fucking Hernandez don't like that kid um, yeah, I'm fucking excited for that. Hopefully it happens. He tripped me out with the call-out, though. I thought he was fucking calling out Alexander Gust- Gustafsson with that fucking... When he said the mauler. Tripped me out. Yeah, what do you think of the call-out? Yeah, dude, I said that in my intro, and I actually... Uh, when I say my intro, my, my opening bit with the recap, and I definitely said it in the first time I recorded, which, again, technical difficulties, I had to scrap it. Uh, but, um, I, I got fired up because I was like, I like Alexander Hernandez, but still he said some wild fucking shit. Like when he was in the scrum recently and he was talking about Cowboys performance and he was like, that performance made me flaccid. I was like, bro, you made me flaccid against fucking Cowboy, you idiot. But, um, if you actually listen to, um, Alex Hernandez's interviews, uh, when he goes on aerial show, they're really fucking good. They're really insightful. Um, and, um, he, uh, uh, had a really good interview after, the uh, the loss to Cowboy where he like said that he, you know, he accepted it and he, I don't know, went back to the drawing board and things like that. Um, definitely lost that fight against Ronaldo though. I mean, that was a fucking weird ass decision, but, um, yeah, I, I do love that fight. I think, yeah, I think Brad Riddell smashes his fucking face in. I agree. Yo, what a fucking main event that was. Fucking Paul Felder, fucking true warrior man. Fucking heartbreaking to see him at the end of that fight. Fucking saying he's going to retire and shit. Fuck. But uh, Dan Hooker, fucking props to him, man. He had a great fight. Razor close, no fucking robbery. You can shut the fuck up, everybody, because fuck. Man, we got to stop calling these close fights robberies, because fuck. 
man, that was as fucking close as it comes. But, um, don't really have a question. Just, uh, fucking good Friday. Fuck yeah. Ah, yeah. Dude, I agree um, with everything you just said. And um, it got me thinking, actually. This would be terrible, but sometimes I wish that fights, like non-title fights, weren't judged. That we're just here to fucking put on a performance. Like a fucking... I don't say like pro wrestling because people hate the comparison. We're gonna I'm a fucking pro wrestling fan, but just like, just fucking put on a show. Like that's one of the reasons I love MMA is because people can, their stock can rise in a loss. You can be like a fan of somebody in a loss, and like you know, it can fucking boost their stock, and and you can you can think they won, and like it just almost like it's like why ruin these people's records when uh, I don't know. It's dumb, obviously, and they will never do it, but it just got me thinking just because I'm for Paul. Well, I did tweet this out, actually, and I was kind of fucking joking. Like, they fucking gave a title fight to Yoel after some losses. Uh, they fucking uh, gave uh, Jose Aldo a title fight after some losses. Let's get our boy Paul in there, huh? Um, he fucking deserves it. And that one's, like, would be even more egregious, but fuck, man. Heartbreaking. And that does it for the voice questions. So uh, let's move to the to the Twitterverse. All right, our first question uh, from Twitter comes from the man, the myth, the legend, at JoeBlog74. He says, Would you rather be a master of every musical instrument or speak fluent in every language? And if you know me, the answer is fluent in every language. But uh, Master of Every Musical Instrument is a close second because I do love music and uh, I don't play any instruments at the moment and I would love to. I'm actually, I'm wanting to learn ukulele because I heard it's really easy. And uh, if that's the case, um, I would be doing like a new intro every every week um, and like writing my own song like about fucking whatever I want. Um, so it would be, I don't know, specific to each, each fight card. So yeah. Close second, but definitely have to pick um, fluent in every language so I could speak to everybody. It's uh, something I really love to do. I always try um, all of my um, friends that I meet or people I work with um, that uh, speak a different language. I always ask, like, how do you say this and that or whatever? You know, one of my um, managers started to teach me Portuguese, uh, but he's not Brazilian, and that's the kind of Portuguese I want to learn. It's like regular Portuguese, and it's like throwing me. Because the pronunciation is a little different. Um, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, fucking Joe. Another one from Joe Blog says, Would you rather live without music or TV? This is hard. I'd, if I had to pick what I would live without, I would have to live without TV because uh, a life without music is a fucking sad world to live in. Um, I'd be bummed about not having TV, but I don't watch a lot of TV anyways. Um, unless that meant fucking no fights. Um, which means I was streaming on my phone or something. I don't know. I don't know if you mean like without actual like TV programs or whatever. Um, fuck, that's a hard one if it includes fights. 
Um, but uh, I think I still have to go music. And this next one comes from a man, Rage and Sweet Potato, at Rage underscore Potato underscore 902. Any progress on the challenge? Okay, here's the thing, dude. <laughs> this is great. This is, um, if you guys missed last episode, I think it was, um, he challenged me to do a recap of my recap from the point of view of my cat. And I think that was a great fucking idea. Um, but I tried to like write it and I tried to like think about that and it was so hard to do. And I think what needs to happen because, um, I was busy this week and I'm like, I'm fucking like almost out of weed. So I need to get really high. Okay. Like really high, like, like Smokey J, um, on like a 24 hour fucking bender. That's not, it sounds wrong, but that kind of high, I need to get spaceship level high, whatever that means to you. And then do it, and then I think um, I think that'll that'll be the way. That's the way, yeah. Um, this next question is from Dean Robs at Dean Dog Three. He says, "I don't want to believe that was Felder's last fight. He's a warrior. I know he doesn't want to be gone from his family. I respect him for that. My question is, do you think if the fight would have been in the U.S., the win would have gone to Hooker?" See, it's hard to say. So I mentioned in my recap and under other questions that I think there may have been some home cooking involved. And what I mean by that is this. When you have, um, I don't know offhand, like the names of the judges or, or the origin of them, but when you, a lot of international fights um, or even some local fights, they bring in judges from other jurisdictions that are more qualified. Or if it's a place like, New Zealand, I don't think, has their own commission. I think the UFC acts like the commission, so they bring in the judges. So it's very possible that none of the judges were actually from New Zealand or, or maybe even from Australia. However, the crowd makes a difference. The the crowd, like even if a shot misses from Dan Hooker, the way the crowd reacts, that makes the judges think that it might have landed. So it's very possible, but... Um, you know, to be honest, people in the U.S. were not as nationalistic as other countries. We support other countries. Like, we'll sometimes pick against uh, Americans in an international fight, which I've said sometimes, like, baffles me, but then I do it all the time myself, so I'm like, well, fuck. So I can't, um, I can't get, like, too upset about it, but... Yeah, Americans don't support their own as much. And sometimes they support them in the worst fucking ways, dude. Like, there's some people that fucking supported Greg Hardy for fighting Volkov just because he was, like, an American going into, like, hostile territory. I was like, bro, leave. Anyway, that's a different story for another fucking day. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think it would have mattered if it was in the U.S., but maybe. Next question is from Paul at Goonson 1989. Freelance Goon's like, you took everything I work for. Just kidding. But this is his son, dude. What? Just kidding. Um, it says, if that was Felder's last fight, what are your thoughts? Oh, man. I mean, getting me choked up here. Um, I said a lot already, kind of at the top of the of the show. Um, my thoughts are, he was. Uh, a great fighter and um, he never got to fight for the belt. It, it would be a shame if he ends it before, um, you know, fighting for the belt because 
you know, he had some great fights. Like, look at what Charles Oliveira has been doing lately in his recent fights. You know, murking the fuck out of Jared Brooks and just so many people right and left. Watch Paul Felder fight with him. He fucking dismantled him. He fucking landed some elbows from the top, escaped all his submissions, and fucking got a stoppage win. Paul Feller's a fucking killer. And it, and it just, it makes me sad. as like, you know, one of the fighters I identify with the most... And to see what he's gone through with losing his dad and things like that, it's just, oh man, you hate to see it. So, yeah, well, my my thoughts are, he, we never really truly got to see how good he was because, A, I don't think we've, we've really seen how good Dan Hooker is and to see what potential he could and... and given that Paul Felder possibly edged out a win over him or should have, you know, we'll never see how, how good he was. You know, he was supposed to fight Khabib on short notice, but uh, the commission didn't like that he wasn't ranked high enough. You know, uh, he made 155, and uh, they didn't want to give it to him because of the low rank. He could have been fucking in there uh, instead of Al. Then maybe he gets that fight against Cowboy. And uh, I think Paul Felder beats Cowboy. Then maybe he goes on to fight Ferguson instead. Because Cowboy fought Ferguson after that. Fuck. Like, it's just... It's just shit luck, you know? Next question is from Rory underscore THM. That's Threadhead Media at Rory Rex. This guy's the fucking man. Him and I need to collab on something. We've been talking about it for a long-ass time. And it just... We need, like, something. <laughs> but uh, it's coming, I promise. And he says, would the rise of New Zealand fighters still garner attention if Adesanya drops the title to Yoel? Or would the movement still be as strong with all the other fighters they have? That is a great fucking question. Um, well, I think Adesanya is almost at the point where his stock is so high that unless he loses to Yoel in the first round like dramatically, which I don't even want to put that in the, in the universe... I think his stock is going to at least stay the same or like not drop that much. He's still a star. Um, but let's say he does, just for, the, for argument's sake, I play devil's advocate. Let's say he does and that his stock goes down and people say, oh, he never, he was too flashy and they start talking all this shit for no reason. They say he was, was a fucking bum or whatever. Let's say he's completely discounted from that. City kickboxing is still killing it. Um, Eugene Berman just won Coach of the Year from from Mario Hawani, which um, it doesn't have like uh, the weight of like a fucking. We don't have like a real like award show other than the fighters only, which is like not a real thing. But um, people regard that as like one of the most respected sort of award shows in MMA that we have. And uh, he got Coach of the Year, and uh, fucking Eric Albaracin's ass was so fucking salty, and so was Henry Cejudo because they're terrible people. Um, City Kickboxing is still killing it. Dan Hooker just uh, won uh, an incredible fight. He has a great podcast with Izzy. Um, Frenemies, if you haven't heard of it. Um, and they're fucking... Uh, he's funny as fuck and, and a killer. Um, Dan Hooker's going up. And um, I know he's Australian, but he trains with them. Um, Volkanovski is a champ. He's killing it. Uh, Kaikar France is killing it. Fucking... Brad Rydell just is like 
becoming a fucking almost like a superstar. I think that part of the world is on the rise for sure. If anything, it might raise attention to the other guys because right now Izzy's like like leading the charge. But if Izzy drops the title, it's it's possible that he, um, I don't know, passes the torch to Dan, if you will. So I don't know. We'll see. Fucking great question. Love that guy, Rory. Man, Rory's the man. Next question from Cyrus King. He says, I have two questions. First question, would it be safe to say that Dan Hooker's stock, even though he won the fight, did not go up? Yet Paul Felder's stock, though he lost, went up. Um, fuck, interesting question. So, I don't think Dan Hooker's... Yeah, his stock definitely didn't go down, but it, it likely didn't go up. Um, I don't think we learned anything new about Dan. We knew he was tough as fuck. Um, I think if anything, we might have learned uh, something about Paul Felder, which, you know, again, as you say, it sucks because he lost. And his stock might might be going up, but if the retirement is real, what does he do with that? Other than, you know, parlay into a an acting career, hopefully. And he said, second question, I know you hate boxing, but what did you think of um, Tyson Fury? Dude, I love Tyson Fury. Um, he His personality is like no other. He's just a fucking enigma. Um, he's a big-ass dude, like what, like 6'9 or 6'7, something like that. And he moves like a fucking like Dominic Cruz style almost. Like big guys aren't meant to move like that. I know I'm a big guy. Not that big, but I'm fucking big. And it's just, you know, it's inspiring in the, the way he overcame those mental health issues and depression. I fucking love it. Um, and his, he says the funniest shit, dude, about fucking doing cunnilingus to strengthen his jaw and wanking seven times a week to fucking build testosterone. <laughs> like, crazy. I love him. <laughs> I love Tyson Fury. That's it. That's That's the answer. I love Tyson Fury. That's it. Um, Darren Carson at Bobby underscore Dazzler 68. He says, not Auckland related, but in what round does Fury KO the UFC heavyweights currently calling him out? Seriously though, it would be an absolute demolition. Yeah, dude, here's the thing. If he went into, uh, MMA, he would get demolished. But if Stipe or fucking Ngannou were to go, um, into boxing, they would get fucking demolished. And I think Fury recently said that he would entertain the idea of doing a boxing match, but with four ounce claws and in uh, an octagon. That's the only reason I would see a crossover fight is if we had some sort of mixed rules. I think we kind of talked about this on the show before where I said, you know, it needs to be a mixed rule sort of thing. Um, and uh, I wouldn't be clamoring to see it because it'd still be a bit of a circus and it would still be kind of like taking eyes away from like actual MMA fighters. But I would hope that it would bring some eyes to it. I mean, I think the McGregor Mayweather fight, even though that was a pure boxing match happened in boxing, I think it possibly brought some fans to MMA. Um, I don't have the dare to support that. Some, some, you know, but some new boxing fans, I, I think that's not outside the realm of possibility. All right. This next one is from at Kim close Four, Kim close underscore four. Um, 
He says, don't see her winning the belt in the UFC, so there's no point in staying as such. So should Karolina Kovalkiewicz move to Bellator 1 or simply retire? Um, I liked... Um, I think uh, Rhino had an idea on Twitter. Um, I thought saw she should go to KSW, sort of where she's from. KSW puts on some great shows. She could have some great fights there to end her career there. That would be pretty cool. Um, but uh, earlier I did say the Bellator option of like going up to 125 to challenge Alimalay. Um I still don't like her chances in that, but um, I think she would get less demolished because Alima is more of a grappler. Um, and um, she, there's some winnable fights, you know, outside the, the champion in that division for her. Although, if she were, were she going to one and fight Angela Lee? No, that, she would get fucking eaten alive. I'm sorry. What? No. Uh, I, I, like, started to think about it. And I was like, no. No, 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 no. No. Um, all right. Speaking of which, Combat Sports with Rhino. Um, at Com Sports W Rhino. He says, City Kickboxing is killing it right now. We've seen other gyms flourish over a couple years span and fizzle out. Where do you think City Kickboxing is going to be in a few years? Amongst the elite or not? You know what? I absolutely do. And, and it's a good question because it deserves to be looked at. It, it, de it deserves to be said that, you know, what he's talking about, the trend of gyms sort of popping up and then fizzling out. Um, I feel that way right now about uh, Fortis MMA. I love th what they're doing right now, but I question the longevity, and I'm not sure about where they're going to be in a few years. Um, that said, City Kickboxing um, is is amazing, and I, I really think that they have the right coach who's committed, and they bring in a good coaching staff. Um, it does a sort of um, it is a little bit to their detriment the fact that they are in Oceania or um, New Zealand. I mean, obviously it's New Zealand, but I don't know if that's fucking Oceania or not. I'm bad at continents, guys. I'm sorry. Geography was not my for forte. I can tell you what they sound like, where they come from. I don't know. Um, but what I'm saying is um, because they they have to fly in training partners and things like that, and it, it's, it's, you know, people have to go there versus, but they're doing a really good job of building their homegrown talent, which is, something that not other gyms do you know usually people come in to work with the other gyms like att jackson wink people fly into those whereas they're focusing on their part of the world and they're fucking killing it like you said and i think the other thing is that if you haven't heard eugene bearman tell a story it's a great fucking story he was on ariel hawani show again i know you guys hate ariel hawani but hear me out for a second um he won or sorry trying trying to chronologically tell the correct story he um had a pupil who was in a i think a boxing match or a kickboxing match that died and it shook him up and he was sort of ready to walk away from it because he didn't want to be part of it and then after some soul searching and he talked to his mentor and um israel adesanya was good friends with this guy they're really close and um so obviously he was there coaching him, and um, the the uh, Eugene Behrman's mentor said, "Would you trust anyone else to to coach these kids that are still there? Because they're going to keep on whether you're there or not. Would you trust anyone else with their lives?" And he said, "No, no, I wouldn't." And he stayed 
because of guys like Israel and because of guys like Dan Hooker and because he didn't want to leave them. He said, even if I'm sending them out there for a fucking demise, I need to fucking better prepare them. And that lit a fire under him. And that makes him, you know, prepare much greater, in my opinion. And uh, when Israel won the belt, they went to go um, to his uh, his site, I believe, or a specific you know, place, in the, I think it was where the arena is or something like that, and they laid the belt down and it had, like, a, a beautiful ceremony. So um, I implore, implore you to um, seek out that interview with Eugene Behrman and Ariel. Next question is from at MMA. Shouts to my girl G from the Woe cast. He says, she says, what are your thoughts of Izzy's most recent comments about Yoel coming down like the 9-11 towers? Also, why are 9-11 comments off limits for fight promotion, but memes about coronavirus and people dying in China is not? Love you and the show always. Hashtag never change. I love you, G. Uh, you're the best. And, um, you know, this is an interesting subject because um, on the one hand, first of all, I think it's not cut and dry either way because plenty of us, myself included, did not like the comments about coronavirus. However, there's sort of like a scale and there's levels. So like I'm less, I like, I think the coronavirus wasn't as bad as the 9-11 comments. And um, I have to admit my bias is creeping in for Izzy because I'm a huge Izzy fan. Um, and I'm not saying I'm giving him a pass, but I'm just kind of saying I'm definitely not going to cancel him for it. Um, I think it kind of goes back to uh, actually what Cairo said on your show, G, um, about, you know, specifically with the, with regards to the coronavirus meme and what Joanna said. Uh, and uh, he said that he fucking um, seen her do way worse stuff on Instagram as that you can kind of not support them or not support the things they do, but still support them kind of thing like that. And um, I've only read those comments about the Twin Towers. Um, and I don't think... See, here's the thing also, is that, like, the ones about the coronavirus were very specific um, with, like, the gas mask. Like, there's no other way around it. Like, you're fucking saying, like, oh, I'm going to put on a gas mask and be scared of the virus. Like, he just said he'll crumble like the Twin Towers, which, yes, is uh, a reference to 9-11, which is a horrible tragedy. And I have to say... It's sort of a defining. It, it, it's a terrible tragedy that sort of defined my generation, because everyone I know that I grew up with can remember exactly where they were when they got the news. I remember exactly where I was. It was uh, the morning after my parents had a huge fight, and um, I was sitting at the breakfast table thinking uh, like it was my fault and that um, like shit was was going down the tubes or whatever. That my life was being terrible, and uh, we used to watch the news in the morning, something I I never do. Um, well, not now I'm saying as an adult, but as a kid, my dad would always put on the news. I'm sure he still does, but uh, put on the news, and the fucking news came. You know, Tower One has been hit, or whatever, and uh, we started freaking out, and it was really scary. And uh, my dad had a business partner who lived in Queens, and he was like, "I have to call Joe. I have to call Joe," and called him. He was like, "Are you okay?" And everyone was freaking out, and at school that day or maybe also the next day we all kind of like and i was in only like sixth grade at the time like we all each took time to, to like discuss how bad it was and and just talk about how like we're fucking about to be at war and things like that it was a really scary time 
And I never realized how bad it was until, uh, or for, for everybody, until I moved here to New Jersey. Uh, I've been here two years, and every time it's come up, and this is, it's like where they, people don't like to talk about it, but it's come up in conversation throughout the years, especially like every year they do the memorial and they read off the names, which is fucking scary as fuck. Um, so many people here lost friends and family. There's so many people in my area that commute to the city, uh, which that's what we call uh, NYC. Um, so many people commute. And not only that, like people have family that then move there. And so many people were affected. And there are people that think it was an inside job and they have this conspiracy theory about it. And try saying that to people who's lost, who've lost their loved ones. It is fucking sad. And it's not something to be joke about. So I'm, I'm the kind of person that I think comedy um, needs to push the envelope and needs to, uh, you know, you're gonna, always going to offend somebody and you don't need to worry about that. That said, I don't like when people use that as a pass. That's for comedians whose job is to do that, whose job is to push the envelope, whose job is to make people uncomfortable, whose job is to make light of terrible situations. That's their job. You're a fucking guy on Twitter or you're a fighter on a stage, right? Uh, so I don't condone that, but I also don't think he, he was with malicious intent. And I also don't think um, he's close enough to the situation to, to know about it. To, to realize how much of a tragedy it was and that it affected so many people in the worst way possible. Because if I'm if I'm doing my math right, Izzy and I are like a year apart. And he didn't uh, move to New Zealand until he was 14. So that means during 9-11, he was most likely in Nigeria, if I'm correct. And that's not me trying to say that they don't have computers or whatever. I'm not going to talk about that. I don't, you know... I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is it may not have reached that part of the world as far as like the weight of the situation. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I don't condone. You, you won't hear me making any fucking nine 11 jokes at all. Um, but it's a subject that I think deserves to be treated with care. And this situation deserves to be, um, taken into perspective, you know, um, He's not a guy who said, I mean, he says some outlandish shit, but he doesn't say controversial shit like this. So um, I would like to move past it. <laughs> I'm not saying that uh, it's not a valid question or I just, you know, I want to kind of turn a blind eye for a second just because um, the more, if I think about it too much, I might stop loving Izzy and I don't know if my heart can do that. I might, might drive myself crazy. I know you guys hated that pre-cum tweet, but it was funny as fuck and I don't give a shit. All right, this next question is from David Everett at Pulp Fiction Buff. He says, Juice, I had a thought while watching Yon dismantle my future ex-wife. I've seen all of Weili Zhang's fights, and I don't think she looked as impressive as Yon looked tonight. So, if Zhang gets by JJ, do you think Zhang can beat Yon? I don't. And that's a fucking, that's an interesting take. That's a really interesting take because... Jan looked really fucking good, and um, I've seen all of um, Whaley's fights in the UFC, uh, but I haven't seen her fights outside the UFC. Um, 
I I almost would like to a- better answer this after she fights Joanna because that's a big test in my opinion. Um, but uh, I think uh, Jan Xiaonan can give her a hell of a fight. I'll say that. But I also think his question got me thinking about the fucking politics involved in MMA. Not just like like from a, a figurative expression, like the politics of trying to get a fight booked, like you know fighters talk about all the time. But I mean literal politics of them being both from China and them possibly not wanting to have two Chinese fighters compete for the belt. Like, you ever thought about that? Because they're trying to keep them down, but just that, like, I, I don't know. Like, like, it's weird, you know? And I don't know if they train together or, or whatever. I mean, China's a really big place, but it's, it would be so interesting to me to know where they stand. Like, sort of like um, John Jones and Sugar Rashad, um, when uh, Rashad was still at Jackson Wink, and... Um, for the longest time, they said they wouldn't fight each other. But then when Rashad had to pull out against Shogun and John Jones got the short notice opportunity, Ariel asked him and he was like, yeah, I would fight him. And that was a big point of contention. So I think someone needs to ask Yan, would you fight Zhang Weili? I would love to hear her answer. And with a fucking Google Translate so we can get some of the energy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm preaching to the fucking choir about these translators. Like literally, no one else talks about it but me. Not not literally, but I feel like I'm on an island sometimes. Um, next question is from MMA Jake at MMA Jakey Jake. Uh, it says, "Question is Overkill Hill good? Would she last against a ranked opponent, or does her resilience and and quantity of fights fool us?" Much love. You know, it's an interesting question. I I don't think uh, anyone's fooled. It's no secret that she's had some. Uh, ups and downs, let's say, in the UFC. Um, but she's also it's also growing pains, right? Like, she started out as just a Muay Thai fighter, and then she had one MMA fight, got a TKO, and was on the Ultimate Fighter before they could blink. Um, and so she did her growing up for part of it in the UFC and then part of it in Invicta. She had tough fights. She fucking fought Rose Namajunas um, and Tisha Torres in the UFC and then had to had to leave because they cut her off those losses. And then she went to Invicta, build up, became the champion, you know, worked on her takedown defense, worked on a lot of different things, came back, had a fucking war with Jessica Andrade, who many people think is the fucking next coming of Christ. Um, and uh, she said some really good fights. She had a good fight against Nina Ansaroff as well. That didn't go her way. Um, she had a fight with Jan Shonan, which she thinks she won. Um, it's been a while. I can't remember how I scored that. Probably have to back and re-watch, go back and rewatch it. Hashtag unbiased rewatch from Lat B. Um, but um, I, I don't think it's a quantity of fights and resiliency fooling us at all. But I do think, as I said earlier, her on short notice is, is a different animal because she stays in the gym and stays ready, but she has less time to like think. Um, like she also lost to Random Marcos, which is not the best, you know? So, so there's that. But I, I think. I think the short notice aspect is a real thing for her. I think she, I think she gets out of her own head and gets out of her own way. Great question. And that concludes the forum, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to participate, you can send me questions anytime to fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com or shoot me a DM. Uh, oh, actually, speaking of which, that reminds me, we're not done. 
because some people sent me some DM questions that I have to get to. So, ha, huh, caught myself there. They would have fucking messaged me be like, you forgot my question. Um, so this uh, first question is from Phil, the MMA dude. He says, my question for the show is, what is Jimmy Crute's ceiling? Name a, a specific number in the rankings that he gets to. And I understand the rankings are great, but I want to know if you think he makes it to a title fight, top five, top ten, champ, etc. It's a very interesting question. And I, I almost feel like I'm I'm ranking him myself when I answer this because it, it, it feels like the landscape of the division is going to change. You know, with with regards to like Corey losing and and Yam maybe getting the fight, maybe the Reyes rematch, like a lot could fucking happen. Um, and so I think Jimmy Crute could very well. I mean, I think he's easily top ten, top five. I don't know. Like I want to say seven. I can confident. I feel like I can confidently say seven. Um, but um, I'm just thinking about guys like Glover. Even though Glover's old. Um, he's a fucking beast. Like that fight with Nikita Krylov was the shit. And Nikita Krylov is a young guy. Um, you know, Nick. Case in point, Nikita Krylov. Um, I think he would have a fucking good fight with Lionheart Smith. Uh, I don't know if he gets past him, but I think that would be a good fight stylistically. Um, so there's a lot of. Uh, I think Jimmy Crew has a bright future. Um, if you want a specific number, I think seven. And trying to find, yes, MMA Mental at Scotland underscore MMA. He says, question for the podcast, who wins between Vicious Roller Oliveira uh, or the newly focused Lee under the great Faraz? It's a peach of a fight. Great matchmaking. Yes, dude. It's so, it's such a good fight. And I'm leaning Kevin Lee right now. Um, that's some disrespect to Charles. Um, it's just, I think, and I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, Kevin Lee wins one fight under TriStar, and people on the bandwagon. Bro, I've been on the bandwagon. And I think that Kevin Lee has all the skills to become you know, elite. He just needs the right coach. And I'm, I'm hoping that Frost is that coach. Because he had it in Robert Follis, and uh, Robert Follis's passing away was devastating to him um and people don't talk about that enough in terms of where his career went they just think that you know he had these losses where he didn't really show up and uh i i just think there's a there's a bigger story so yeah that's uh that's my take on that uh great great follow that guy mma mental and uh that now concludes the forum and uh Yeah, I was going to say, if you want to send in a question, you can do it anytime via the Anchor app. Uh, just download the Anchor app and search for Fighting With Myself. You can send in a voice question. Um, I also have the link in every forum post, which is the other way to send a question, which is on fight nights, usually before the main event or during or sometimes after. Um, I will post a, make a post, say, send me some questions for the podcast. Let's start the forum. And uh, you can drop some questions there, as a lot of you lovely people did. So, uh that's that in terms of um, questions for the forum. Now let's segue into previews for UFC Norfolk. Well, UFC went to Virginia. They were looking for some souls to steal. 
Just kidding. Uh, next weekend is going down Saturday, February 29th. Uh, UFC Norfolk. Uh, this is a decent card. As I said at the top, there's some there's some fights on here that I'm excited about, but um, uh, some of the, some of the card leaves much to be desired, particularly the prelims. Um, it's very very much main card heavy. That said, there are two prelim fights I'm looking forward to. One of those is Tom Breeze versus Brendan Allen. And you know why? Because I want Tom Breeze to knock Brendan Allen the fuck out, dude. Came to me on Twitter for my Macy Barber post. So he can fucking get it from Tom Breeze. I love Tom Breeze as well. Um, good, good English guy. So yeah, big up Tom Breeze and big down Brendan Allen. Uh, and then uh, Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena is taking on Alex Munoz. Fucking great fight that is. So really looking for that. Um, obviously, I got Violent Bob Ross in that one. All right, moving on to the main card. Uh, we got Grant Dawson versus Derek Minner. And um, Grant is 14-1. Derek is 23-10. I'm leaning Grant on this one, but it's uh, uh, it's a close fight. I mean, certainly Derek has more experience, but uh, also double-digit losses, and uh, Grant has been looking good in his recent fights. I was looking forward to the Chas Skelly fight, but fucking hell, that fell through, and that really made me sad. Next up, we got Megan Anderson versus Alam. Just kidding. Uh, her name is Norma Dumont, and... Uh, if she wins, I'm going to look like a complete fucking asshole for calling her a lamb. And if anyone that uh, is related to her listens to this, they probably fucking hate me. So, uh, I'm sorry. I'm an asshole. Don't listen to anything I say. But uh, despite uh, the popular opinion being that she's not good, I like Megan Anderson a lot. Um, some of you are probably just salty about catching a block. And uh, sometimes that's good. She she blocked me on the FWM account, and I'm still a fan. <laughs> Hasn't blocked Ernest Jackson, though. Still going strong, baby. Actually commented on her post about guessing her weight. And I, I fucking put all the weights. And she was like, sorry, bro, only one. And then I made this video. I was like, what if I gave my aunt's an Australian? Would you help out a fair dinkum bloke? She didn't respond to that. But lots of people thought it was funny. And then, dude, a bunch of fucking people started responding to that with their guests. And it was tagging me in it. And fucking, they were doing it late, like days after she already fucking announced the winner. I was like, you fucking losers, go home. Anyways, that those aren't any people that listen to the podcast, by the way. As far as I know, those are like randoms. Those are like literally people that don't even follow uh, anybody. <laughs> Except for Megan, apparently. But uh, obviously, I got Megan in that one. If it wasn't clear, <laughs> I think she's gonna do work, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, call out Amanda Noons, which I say that as a joke sometimes. But there's some people that that say Amanda Noons in fucking earnest. They say that as like that is her name. It's Nunez, you guys. It's fucking Amanda Nunez. Uh, I'll send you a fucking nasty ass video saying Amanda Nunez if you say Amanda Noons. Uh, so yeah, and then <laughs> Iwan Kutalaba is taking on Magomed Ankalaev. Dude, I'm so tempted to fucking pick Magomed Ankalaev because he fucking beat the shit out of Paul Craig until Paul Craig submitted him. That's the one. <laughs> He's 12-1 in his record, by the way. So that's the one. It's fucking that Hail Mary submission by Paul Craig. 
But other than that, he's been fucking beating people up. And that last fight against um, Lung Jambula or whatever the fuck that guy from South Africa. Holy fuck, dude. He KO'd the fuck out of him, dude. That was a nasty KO. But Ion Kutalaba doesn't give a fuck about shit like that. He'll walk right through. He'll take him down and fucking smash him. Shit. Iwan Kutalaba, the Hulk. What a mad fucking cunt that guy is. <laughs> All right. And then um, the common event of this fight is actually Felicia Spencer versus Zara Fernando Santos. Um, that's the woman that Miguel Anderson submitted in Australia in her last fight, which was great to see. And uh, so I don't expect anything less from Felicia. Um, in fact, she probably submits her even quicker. Because that's Felicia's actual thing. She's a fucking real black belt. Um, Felicia Spencer is fucking good as fuck, though. And uh, it's weird because Megan has more star power or probably more fans. More people know who she is. But um, Felicia beat Megan, so she's like, I get the co-main. But it is kind of weird that they are in the co-main spot. I mean, Felicia Spencer has had one fight in the UFC. No, two. She, she fought Megan and then Cyborg. But hey, you love to see it. Uh, if she gets a, a win, I bet, here's what happens. I bet fucking Megan wins and calls out Felicia for a rematch. And then Felicia wins. It's like, I'm not going to fight you, bitch. I already beat you. I'm trying to fight the champ. Amanda, where you at? But it'll be like in a much nicer way. It'll be like, huh? I'm not going to acknowledge a prior call out. But, you know. And of course, none of this will happen because I'm wrong all the time. Another main event between uh, Joseph Benavidez and Davison Figueredo. Great, great fucking fight. First of all, Davison Figueredo, the fucking god of war, does his hair like fucking Kratos uh, from God of War. Fucking love that. Love everything about this guy. Um, I wish um, he spoke English or he had a translator that wasn't his manager so that we could manipulate what he was saying. Um... But that's another topic. I feel like I'm just ragging on translators today. I'm sorry. But sometimes they gotta go. Anyone's can, can, can fucking catch these hands. And when I say these hands, I mean these words. You know, obviously. But uh, he's a beast. He's 17-1. And um, I want to say the one loss was uh, Pedro Munoz, I think. Or... Fucking Jussier Formiga. It was it was like this like number one contender bout where he lost, um, but then he just fucking murked everyone else. And so they're giving it to to Joseph Benavides, and uh, it's for the vacant title, which is awesome. Um, which means Henry Cejudo is gonna be fucking stripped, which makes me happy, right? It means Joey B gets another title shot. Um, this guy has only lost to champions. And Sergio Pettis. <laughs> I was so ready to say only champions, but I remember he lost to Sergio Pettis. But he's fucking beating everyone else. Dude, he fucking lost to Dominic Cruz twice. And then um, Mighty Mouse twice. And uh, he was even fighting in the UFC when they didn't have his division yet, um, which is flyweight. So the guy's been doing work. And uh, I love his relationship with uh, Megan O'Leary. And I think I think he gets it done. Uh, this is definitely me picking with my heart a little bit, even though I love Davison. I'm a, just a bigger fan of Joey B. Uh, even though I don't think he beat Henry Cejudo, 
Um, I, uh, I'm glad that that win is there on paper because it was a loss on Cejudo's record. And, uh, yeah, I think he gets it done. I think he outworks Davison, especially I think his uh, experience in five-round fights will come into play a lot. Um, not that Figueredo really tends to fade, but he's definitely an explosive fighter, and that can wear on you in a five-round fight. And uh, Benavidez has fucking cardio for days, dude. That uh, That's going to be the difference in this fight, I think. Could be wrong, but, you know, that's me. And with that, we uh, we bring this ride to a close here. Uh, thank you for everyone for listening. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at FWM underscore pod. Uh, Instagram and Twitter is the same. Stop plugging my personal Twitter because no one follows me back, which is fine. And uh, yeah, good night and good fights.